Hello and welcome to From No Crypto to No Crypto. This is the Crypto Coach Blockchain Land with another cryptocurrency podcast. Today's episode brought to us by CoinCRG Club, mobile private key wallet and point of sale solution, helping to make crypto safe, easy and the overall process more efficient while costing less, helping to take crypto mainstream. All right, today we have a special guest interview with Mario. Now Mario is a, a, a serial entrepreneur, very successful a businessman that is found the founder and CEO of IBC and also a VC fund. Now, just from talking to him, he's launched multiple companies, multi-million dollar companies, originally starting in the e-commerce space, uh, but really is doing a lot to to really bring awareness and drive drive success and drive business in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. So Mario, thank you for joining us today. And um, Tell you know. Let's start off by telling you a little. Tell us a little bit about your company, about IBC. Sure, um, IBC. I started it in 2017 as a way for me to learn more about the space and see where I can bring value. So I've been watching the space for a long time, um, and it started off me just learning as much as I can. And for anyone wanting to enter the space, the best way to do that is speak to as many people as you can. Just reach out to them, say, "Hey, I'd love to speak to you. See what you're working on." and see how I can bring you value. And I did that for hours a day, day after day. I was in Slovenia, I remember, because I'm always traveling. And I was staying in Slovenia for a while, and I would wake up in the morning, my assistant would schedule calls from the minute I wake up till the second I need to go to sleep. And I'll be work, walking around, you know, doing 30, 40,000 steps, because I'll be walking on calls, call after call, and talking to everyone in the space. That's how IBC started, and then, that got me to find the right opportunities, which was helping startups raise capital. And IBC started doing ICOs. I didn't even know what ICOs were when I got into the space. And by then, I learned a lot about it. And I, uh, from my other companies and being a founder and entrepreneur myself, that's where I could bring the most value. So we did ICOs. We started raising money privately as well for projects, for private placement, um, and doing development work. So that was the focus of IBC throughout 2018 and 2017 and now we do and also doing security token offerings and um, initial exchange offerings so even though IBC if you go on the website there's a lot of services offered development work OTC a lot of stuff 90% of our focus is on fundraising and that's what I kind of want to focus on because when you launch a business you try you offer many services but then you end up focusing on the the 80% that gets the 20% sorry the small the one or two services that get you most of the revenue and most of the success. And for IBC, that was purely fundraising, whether through ICO, IEO, STO, privately, whatever new um, uh, fundraising method there will be later. Uh, good projects, raising capital is our focus. All right, nice, nice. Yeah, so um, I guess, man, let's talk a little bit about 2018 because I know that the ICO, STO, and now the evolving IEO and maybe you can explain each of the differences of those to you know to our listeners, but um, I'm sure that's a, a constantly evolving, um, evolving area with with you know trying to trying to navigate different uh, regulations. Uh, so how how has that been uh, you know going through 2018 with all those changes? Sure. Um, first, I'll start off with the difference between them. ICOs and IEOs. Luckily, there's not much difference there. They're essentially the same thing. IEOs are, are an evolution on ICOs. So ICOs are an initial coin offering. So that's a business launching a utility token, quote unquote, and raising capital that way. You can't do it in countries like the US because they consider it securities. 
Other countries, um, they're more lenient, so you can still raise capital through a utility token. That's what initial coin offerings are and, and were and were meant to be. But obviously, a lot of businesses just kind of ignored uh, the, the laws of some countries, uh, even though they were clear in, in most people's opinion. Uh, they, they kind of thought they could skirt those laws. I, I don't know what their thought, was, thought process was in 2018. And um, they raised the money from countries like the US through what they call an ICO, a utility token. But the, I, the US regulators considered it a security. So that's what an ICO is. Raising money through a utility token. That's it. Now an IEO is an evolution on that. And there were two problems with ICOs. Number one is listing on an exchange, getting liquidity. And number two, the amount of projects that were coming on. There's just anyone could launch an ICO. Well, IEOs address those two points. The liquidity is immediate because an exchange will launch the ICO for you. So instead of you just announcing to the world, hey, I'm launching an ICO, come buy my token, you, you just don't do that. People are not interested in that anymore after the 2018 crash. So what happens now is an exchange will vet hundreds of projects. Let's say Binance, for example, the, the most successful exchange doing that. They will vet hundreds of projects and then they'll choose one project to work with and you know yeah two days ago one of our clients was chosen so we're pretty happy about that and um, one project's a month at the moment I think uh, and they're gonna start accepting more so they'll vet those projects to make sure they, they fit their requirement they actually have a utility token it's a solid business so that means a lot of the junk that we saw in 2018 those projects raising capital that don't have a strong team don't have a good business idea or could even be a scam the exchanges or at least the reputable exchanges are not working with them so you've kind of gotten rid of the, most of the junk that we had in 2018. So that's the first step. And then what the exchange will do is immediately list, it, list the token on the exchange. So immediate liquidity. You don't have the problem that you had with ICOs, people buying the coin and then hoping it will list on an exchange. It's a risk there. Because if it doesn't list on an exchange, it's, uh, it's really difficult to buy and sell the token, to trade it. So what the IEO uh, does uh, the, that model what it offers is immediate liquidity on the exchange the downside of it is there's a lot of smaller exchanges that are faking the volume their liquidity and they're just scamming projects they take their money they promise them liquidity but they don't have any users on their platform and i don't think they will last the, the bad apples tend to disappear pretty quickly so that's a comparison between icos and ieos they're very similar just a bit of an evolution there with the exchanges kind of taking leadership and doing the KYC, etc., And then you've got STOs. Now, STOs are completely different. I wouldn't put them in the same basket because STOs are a security token offering, which is very, it's going back to you know, traditional fundraising through Regulation D, Regulation A, Reg A+, um, Reg CF. So Reg CF, I think you don't need to register as a security. I, I don't know the technicality, but all I know is that this is a regulated token offering where you register as a security, and the advantage over traditional um, fundraising method is that you get liquidity on the exchanges and plus being tokenized allows it to be more efficient. So an STO is essentially taking the traditional fundraising methods and using blockchain to make it more efficient and bring liquidity to the, to the, to the industry. So that's what STOs are. Now, in terms of what we saw in 2018, what we're seeing now, ICOs, there was a lot of hype in 2018. I've been in business long enough to know when things are not going to last, when 
things are a bit overly exuberant. And that's what we saw in 2018. There's just a lot of easy money, a lot of junk projects raising capital. And that ended badly, but it was just a matter of time. Um, turns out a lot of the ICOs were scams, etc., and a lot of players did bad things in that period of time. And I was personally scammed as well. My company, IBC, was part of a scam or was scammed, was the victim of a scam. So that's uh, what happened with ICOs. IEOs started picking up in the last few months, earlier this year, even though the, you know, our team members, our team members were doing them since last year. Since uh, after Binance launched their first um, IEO, I think it was BitTorrent, I could be wrong. And uh, since then, with the market improving, more and more exchanges are launching IEOs, and the model is pretty interesting. At least the bigger exchanges are doing the right thing. They're choosing quality projects and listing them for their users. And as long as exchanges do the right thing by vetting projects and listing quality projects, um, it, should be, uh, it could be a long-term funding method, fundraising method. Now, there's also the regulations, as long as they're only offered in countries that don't consider them a security. So IEOs cannot be offered to U.S. investors. Binance recently announced they completely barred U.S. investors from their platform for certain tokens or all tokens, can't remember. STOs would be the option for those markets because it's a security token offering, it's regulated as such. Now, the, um, there, is, there isn't the same hype that we have for IEOs, initial exchange offerings, a lot of hype, projects raising millions in seconds or minutes. We don't have that same hype with STOs. However, it's more of a long-term growth. I speak to a lot of investors, family offices, and those guys will not go into the utility token. It's just too early for them. Some VCs will, but the, the family offices, for example, and a lot of the funds and investors, they want something that's clearly regulated and they will only touch it if, if it's a security and regulated as such. And those people are looking at, ST, the big money is looking at security tokens. And a lot of STOs have already raised a lot of capital. There's no liquidity yet. so. There isn't uh, liquidity on the exchanges like we have for utility tokens, but it's a matter of time. These things do take time to mature, and um, I'm pretty optimistic about security token offerings as well. So I hope that gives you a bit of a summary, or gives your audience a bit of a summary about those three EOs, STOs, the three acronyms, IEO, ICO, and SEO, and the differences, um, and where they all stand uh, at the moment. So in brief, ICOs, not much there, IEOs, a lot of hype, and STOs, long-term growth. Absolutely, that was great, man, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. the Binance thing with the U.S., uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the U.S., so uh, trying to figure out what's a good country for dual citizenship. <laughs> uh, have you, what, what countries are you looking at at the moment? I don't know, it's just a joke, man. I haven't even looked into it yet, but yeah, we just... Look, yeah, consider that, why not? I think countries like... Malta, for example, it could be pretty easy to get dual citizenship there. Um, but there could be, I don't know what will happen to, I don't know, I don't know. So does that mean that you as a U.S. investor, you cannot open well, an account at all in Binance, huh? Well, we are, uh, you're still open until September. So I, I've been trading on Binance probably, I guess it was mid to early 2017. I found out about it and got off of uh, Poloniex jumped into Binance and uh, been using it for my personal trading for a while. Um, now they also announced that they're going to be opening a U.S. exchange. So my guess is it's just going to be, it's probably going to look just like your regular Binance exchange would be 
filtered down with less options of, of, mm. of coins being available, you know? Okay, so they've barred US investors from all trading on the existing platform while they work on their new platform that will have tokens that, are, that, would, that would be fine from a registry perspective. And I yeah. think in the long term, that could end up to be pretty good for you guys because the tokens that are considered utility tokens, I think they will lose a lot of liquidity um, as more and more countries consider them securities. Yeah. And that could end up being a positive thing for, um, for people that are barred early on before the token price drops. So it'll be interesting to see how this develops. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and, and like I said, we I can still trade on there, but you know we can trade up until September, and that's when they're gonna completely block. Now they they basically said after September you won't be able to to trade or buy or sell, but you'll be able to access your wallet and withdraw. So mm -hmm. it's not like it's a hard line in the sand saying uh, get your money out or you lose it. <laughs> now they're trying to do the right, and that's the thing you're seeing now with the IEO hype. Exchange, there's two types of exchanges. Exchanges that are doing the right thing, like Binance, like KuCoin, and I think those exchanges will stand the test of time. Um, and then you've got the um, the exchanges that are just trying to take advantage of the hype and they're skirting regulators. Those days are numbered. Uh, regulators are paying attention to those guys. I think the financial, the FARA, FARA, I forgot what they're called. They're financial authority that has, I was making video about it, and they're... Um, they're announcing um, a, a new, uh, they're providing more clarity on what they consider as a utility token and what rules exchanges have to follow. And this will apply to a lot more countries than whatever the US is doing. Um, that includes a lot of Asian countries as well. And I think that clarity that they're offering is already giving a lot of, uh, there's a lot more requirements for exchanges that they need to follow. And the exchanges that don't do the right thing that don't follow those requirements, uh, action will be taken against them. So people like Binance, exchanges like Binance, know that by doing the right thing, they'll be the ones to flourish as the industry continues to mature. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of, I saw, I saw a lot on social media, some uh, people giving Binance some flack around it, but really it, it's, not, it's not them. They're just trying to stay ahead of the game, trying to stay to where they can continue to thrive as one of the largest exchanges. So to do that, they've got to, you know, they got to play by certain rules. Yeah, look, if, if they don't play by the rules, everyone's a loser, the investor and the exchange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, you know, Binance has been refreshing to have them around because I've, uh, you know, trade. I was trading, you know, several, uh, you know, little known, coins back in 2017, 2018, and, and experienced some of those uh, hacks where the exchange got hacked and the exchange was insolvent, you know? So uh, I had some ride blocks when it was on uh, BitGrail. I don't know if you know, back in, in 2017, and, and they got uh, they got hacked. Now, uh, ride blocks eventually rebranded into Nano, but that was, uh, you know, that I was- I remember that, yeah, I, I remember that those days. It was the Wild West back then, it's crazy. <laughs> It was, it was. And look, hey, ICOs in 2017, man, there was, uh, there was some, some big winners, some, some that went, you know, 10, 20, 50x even or more, and, and then some that just never even got out the gate. So um, in the long run, it's really good because, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of money being made, but there was also a lot of money being lost by people that were um, investing in projects that weren't, weren't really well vetted, weren't solid. 
Uh, let's face it. I mean, even, even some projects that don't start out to be scams, people, you know, people are going to lose a lot of money on it through, um, and I'm guessing, you know, through a lot of services that, that your company offers to help companies with is, you know, companies with, you know, lack of marketing, lack of, uh, any clear direction around regulations, you know, just, just really poor planning. Uh, so when I was checking out your company's website, uh, I really see a lot of value in what you, what your team offers. Hey, hey, look, even if everything is first, just in terms of that regulator that's offering that, offering that clarity, anyone that wants to look it up because that's pretty important news, they released a lot of a note clarifying, um, you know, how all the countries that are in that, it's called the Financial Action Task Force how they should oversee virtual assets and a lot of requirements for exchanges. So uh, developments like this, uh, what Binance will, will make decisions based on. Uh, and um, I think it's a good, good idea to keep an eye on, uh, on those. Now, in terms of those projects that failed, look, even if everything was done right, even if a project followed regulations to make sure that on reach any regulatory, uh, uh, any legal requirements, and they're not a scam, they're still most likely going to fail. Tr businesses, traditional businesses that raise capital, that get VCs to vet them and invest in them, over 90% of them will fail. That's businesses that were doing the right thing legally, not crypto, vetted by a VC, over 90% of them will fail. So crypto will be the same. When people say oh, over 90% of ICOs are, uh, went to zero, I'm like, sure, what do you expect? Startup, this general metrics for startup, that's what we expect. Now, ICOs had a higher failure rate, of course, because it was just more the Wild West. Everyone was too exuberant, irrational, and um, that's why the failure rate would probably have been higher than traditional businesses. But even as the industry matures, investing in startups, whether through uh, token offerings or through regulation CF, equity crowdfunding, it's a high-risk, high-reward strategy. Most of them will fail, but it's a matter of investing in that one or two businesses that succeed. VCs employ hundreds, dozens or hundreds of people that look at the financials of a company, speak to the team, do a lot of due diligence, and even them, that tend to, the projects they invest in, most of them tend to fail. Even those VCs with their, their very intelligent and experienced team. So imagine it's a, a traditional investor that has other things, they only buy themselves, they don't hire a lot of people when they're trading on, on Binance, et cetera. And they have a full-time job as well, most likely, or doing something different, not full-time looking at those businesses. They're not going to be able to vet projects the same way VCs are. So it's really normal to expect most of the projects to fail, but it's a matter of putting your money in that one or two projects, that 1% of projects that ends up being the next Amazon that could make you a really high return. But it's the same way anything that's high reward or high potential reward is high risk. Everything in life, high risk, high reward, low risk, low potential reward. Um, and that should be expected in crypto even when, things, uh, when the hype dies down. But I think you'll have less. In 2018, it was just extreme. It was crazy, the amount of scams and the amount of shady things being done. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what, uh, what advice would you give the people to uh, just some major red flags to avoid some of the scams that are out there? Because I, I agree with you. They're popping up every day. Yeah, look, I, honestly, it's not that difficult. It's really, maybe it's for me, it's easy to say for me because I know the space so well. But let's look at the first thing you want to look at. If you're investing in IEOs, for example, which is where all the hype is right now. IEOs, 
first thing to look at is which exchange is launching that initial exchange offer. Well, many people tell me, yeah, Mario, a lot of these exchanges are scams. I'm like, yeah, of course they are. There's going to be scams everywhere. How do you find out the ones that are not scams? Well, CoinMarketCap. Just Google CoinMarketCap Transparency and Accountability Alliance. That's the first thing you could do. And essentially what CoinMarketCap is doing now is vetting the exchanges they have on their platform. And the ones that don't fit their requirements in terms of transparency and accountability, they don't list them at all. And they're going to delist a lot of exchanges in about 12 days, apparently, um, that don't fit those requirements. So if you Google CoinMarketCap Coin Transparency and Accountability Alliance, that's the first step to find out who are the exchanges doing the right thing. Second thing you can look at is previous IELs and exchanges done. Just basic due diligence. Who are the, who, what projects have they launched? Did these projects really succeed? Did they really raise that much money? Um, and um, if you do those two things, you've really gotten rid of 99.9% .9 of the scans. Um, now in terms of once you find out the exchange is launching a proper token offering, the next step would be to find out if the token offering will be a successful business. That's no longer looking at whether it's a scam, that's seeing whether it will be a successful business. And that's a whole different story. But I think vetting scams should be, should be pretty easy. And security token offerings are regulated and there's a lot of requirements there. So it's a lot harder for scams to slip through the cracks. Absolutely. And um, so you mentioned, and we talked about a lot about your company being able to help startups. So if anybody's out there um, has, you know, working on a startup or has a, a team together, what, what kind of services can, can your group offer to, uh, to startups? Sure. One thing I've always said um, is that any project, any good project can raise capital. It doesn't matter how they do it. So whether they do it through an ICO, an IEO, an STO, or privately, and there's always a way to raise capital. And that's essentially what we do at IBC is allocate resources, allocate capital, sorry. So business is about allocating resources properly and allocating capital efficiently. And what we try to do is we, we've got a massive network of investors from IBC, as well as my personal network from my VC fund, et cetera, and my, my, my name in the industry. Gets me a lot of those doors that are opening up and people reaching out to me. So I get those family offices and those VCs connected with projects that we find to be of high quality. Um, now, we don't just launch token offerings. We, do, we can help investors that don't have the money to launch an STO, an IEO, an ICO, et cetera, because it costs money to do that. Uh, we help connect them to an investor that might partner with them and fund the process. That's something we started a few, a few months ago. We call it the incubator program. And it's working really, really well um, where we, um, we just get the synergy, the, the capital of the, pro of the uh, investor and the skills and the team of the project working together to have a successful fundraise and a successful business. And we just launched uh, a few days ago the investor syndicate, so investorsyndicate.io. Um, and that essentially any project that doesn't have any capital really, just starting out, we give them all the tools they need on that website to be able to raise capital. So essentially all the services that I'm mentioning to you and anything we do at IBC um, will All right. All right, yeah, I was writing down that website. You said investorsyndicate.io. Yeah, I think you cut out for a second, but you're back. Oh, uh, cool. Did you hear what I said, though? Yeah. Well, the last thing I heard was uh, investorsyndicate.io. Oh, investorsyndicate.io, essentially, 
anyone that doesn't have any money to spend is just starting out. It gives them all the tools to, to raise capital for everything they need. But to sum it up, really, anything we do at IBC, anything I'm doing in the space is really focused on helping businesses raise capital. And I'm just keeping it that simple. Nice, nice. All right. Okay, Mario, I mean, that, that's really the questions I had. Um, is there anything, uh, anything else you'd like to tell us about your company? Or, or I guess let's go ahead and give them your, uh, your website. I'll, I'll go ahead and post it in the comments with the podcast. But um, let's give our listeners that may be listening on a different platform, uh, you know, what, which the website to where they can look up IBC. Sure. Um, and I'll leave also with kind of final thoughts on the space that could bring value to your audience. In terms of knowing more about me, just Google, I'll just search marionawful.com. Mario Norfolk, Norfolk is N for Nelly, A for Alpha, W for Whiskey, F for Fred, A for Alpha, L for Larry. So that's for me personally, IBC, just go I, B for Bob, D for Charlie, group.io. Now in terms of thoughts on the industry, um, I think anyone that's starting out, there's this tremendous opportunity in the space to create value, whether you're a startup wanting to change the world or you're someone that just wants to offer auxiliary services like marketing, etc. That's tremendous opportunity. And um, it's just a matter of being patient though. What happened in 2018, don't wait for it to happen again. It, it's highly unlikely it will happen again where people make millions in, in weeks or months. Uh, what will happen instead is that it will be a long-term trend like the internet after the 01 crash or in the, in the late 90s. So it'll be a long-term trend as the market matures, if you keep creating value, building a following, just creating value, honestly, building a name for yourself and building a reputation in the industry where it's easy now, it's not as competitive, all the big names have not entered the space, you'll be able to position yourself as a leader in the industry. So when it does grow, it does mature in five, 10 years time, you're in a great position to take advantage of that. And that's what I've done with IBC. I've positioned IBC in 2017, doing the right thing in back then in 2018, even me being scammed and going through what I've been through, and I've talked a lot about that already. Um, I've just kept creating value and building a reputation for the, uh, for, for the company. And later, I started doing a lot of videos myself on LinkedIn. And it's paying off because it positioned us as a leader in the space, and rightly so, because we've been doing this for a while. And we'll continue to do that. Just look at our action. We'll continue to be creating value because I know the long-term return will be tremendous. And I think that's what you're doing as well, Wayne. You've got a book out, but you're also giving value to your audience constantly with your podcast, and you'll continue to do that. And you'll, in a few years' time, you'll see that pay off um, tremendously. Oh, thank you, Mario. I definitely appreciate that, and I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, as a side note, I, you know, we'll probably be talking after I end this podcast. I've got a, got a project that we're, um, you, you know, we're kind of in the early stages of, but uh, something that would really uh, bring a little bit more attention to the space. So. Uh, Thanks, you know, thanks for your time. Thanks for dropping your wisdom. I mean, you, you've, you definitely got, you know, got years of experience and definitely something that people want to pay attention to and learn from. So I uh, appreciate your time and I want to thank everybody for listening in and we will catch you on the next episode.